0: to another edition of the UK Law Weekly Podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week we're going to be looking at the case of the Crown on the application of Gourlay and Parole Board. The citation for this case is 2020 UKSC 50. And at the heart of this case is an interesting legal question about whether the Parole Board should be considered a court or not. Mr Gourlay is a prisoner who is serving a life sentence, but the minimum term has now expired. In theory, this means that he could be released on licence or to open prison conditions, but in 2014 the Parole Board recommended against this course of action. Gourlay challenged that by way of judicial review, and it was decided by the High Court that the failure to recommend a transfer to open prison conditions was indeed unlawful. Things get interesting when, even though the Parole Board did not participate in the judicial review proceedings, Gourlay still applied for an order that the Parole Board should pay for the cost incurred in bringing the judicial review. The High Court declined to do this, citing the case of the Crown on the application of Davis and Birmingham Deputy Coroner from the Court of Appeal in 2014, which states that if a court or tribunal adopts a neutral stance in proceedings in which its decision is challenged, it will not be liable for the costs of the claim, unless there are exceptional circumstances. The Court of Appeal upheld that decision and noted that Davis does form a binding precedent. Gauley disagreed and argues that not only does Davis not apply to the Parole Board, but it is not a binding precedent, and in any case the approach in that case is no longer correct. To answer these points, the question was appealed to the Supreme Court, which is where we pick things up. Now, the law in this area can often be a bit vague and therefore confusing. In terms of the actual legislation, we can look to Section 51 of the Senior Courts Act 1981, which tells us that the High Court and the Court of Appeal do have discretion when it comes to the awarding of costs, although this is subject to court rules. Those rules have a starting point that, in general, the losing party will pay the costs of the winning side, but they are in no way comprehensive, and this is what can lead to disputes like the one that we are looking at today. The appellate courts will attempt to set out guiding principles for lower courts to follow, but these aren't really law in the way that we might normally think about it. Bearing in mind that this area is not comprehensively regulated and tends to be governed by the Court of Appeal, it would be unusual for the Supreme Court to get involved at all. If we get back to core principles, the purpose of the Supreme Court is to answer questions of law. And so when it comes to costs, the problem is that this is a discretionary area that is not within the court's expertise and doesn't really constitute law at all. With responsibility for developing this area of practice resting with the Court of Appeal, that court should be given the freedom to develop the way that things operate without being bound by precedent as if it were a traditional question of law that might end up getting appealed to the Supreme Court. In a practical sense, this means that the Court of Appeal should be free to overturn its previous decisions on questions of practice, where there has been a material change in circumstances that warrant such a change. Bringing it back to Gourlay's appeal, the High Court made a costs order that was reflective of current practice, and as we mentioned earlier, the Supreme Court is extremely loath to step in and make changes where it is not the best placed authority to do so. Whether or not the parole board is a court does sound like a question of law, but it is tied up with the overarching question of practice, and therefore remains within the discretion of the lower courts. Furthermore, the Court of Appeal did not itself commit any error of law, and its approach was consistent with the rules of court as they are presently constituted. It makes sense that a quasi-judicial body like the parole board that makes decisions about prisoners' futures would want to remain neutral in any judicial review proceedings, so as to avoid any appearance that they are interfering with justice. After all, when a high court decision is appealed, the high court itself does not act as a respondent, it lets justice take its course. Given that stance of neutrality it seems unfair, for the purposes of costs, to consider the board to be the losing party in the case. Meanwhile on the other points raised by Gawley, the Court of Appeal was right not to change their position just because one of the parties was a recipient of legal aid, and correctly recognised that Davis was not a binding precedent. As a result Gawley's appeal was dismissed. For our own analysis of this case, we can probably begin by asking why the Supreme Court took this appeal in the first place. After all, their answer is that ultimately this is a matter of practice, and therefore not something that the justices should even be considering. I do still think that it is worth making this point clearly, though. The question about the status of the parole board appears on the surface to be a legal issue that requires interpretation by reference to legislation but because it falls within the broad area of practice around costs, that is not the case. Now that the justices have made clear that even those submissions that look like they are asking questions of law will not be considered, it should discourage further appeals in this area and allow the Court of Appeal to provide answers and develop the rules with confidence. That is all fine, but what about the decision itself? After all, one of the things that I always talk about on this podcast is the importance of certainty in law, but that appears to be missing. There is not a comprehensive set of regulations relating to costs, and the Court of Appeal have been pretty much told in this judgement that they can make it up as they go along. While that on its own is concerning, there are a number of points worth raising at this stage. Firstly, the system does at least have some basis in legislation passed by Parliament, so it isn't completely arbitrary. Secondly, while the rules are not comprehensive, they are sufficiently structured so that the lower courts do still act within strict parameters when coming to a decision. Thirdly, the question being decided upon is to do with costs, and so is fundamentally not as important as the actual legal decision made by the court in a case. Finally, it is not as if the Court of Appeal can change its mind on the rules whenever it wants. There still has to be a material change in circumstances in order for that to happen. Putting all of this together, I think that the system would stand up to a challenge that it does not ensure fair proceedings under, say, human rights law. Having said that, I don't think it makes the current way of doing things ideal. While flexibility in the rules is acceptable, and does even confer some advantages, It is always going to be better if a party that is commencing legal proceedings has a good idea as to what their liability will be in terms of costs. Here there is a balance because it is impossible to ever be 100% certain, and on the other hand there does have to be some discretion exercised by the courts. I don't think that the current system is broken or needs wholesale reform, but we should all hope that the Court of Appeal takes its role seriously and develops the rules as best it can to offer the greatest degree of certainty possible. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this podcast episode, and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provide the theme music. If you would like to consider supporting the podcast and helping to keep it ad-free, then do consider taking out a subscription to our weekly newsletter. There is a link in the description to this podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in, and I'll be back with another case next week. But for now, bye!